Hello and welcome to Search for Truth. Thanks for joining us. Today we've the fifth talk of Brian's series called No Compromise. And I trust that if you've been following the series, as David and I have, it's having the result of bringing you closer to the Lord and making your faith more genuine. I certainly hope so, but it's not too late. Brian's called today's talk, Doing Right When No One Is Watching. So, Brian, we're listening. Okay, John. Bobby Jones was a lawyer and amateur golfer. He was also the first to achieve the Grand Slam, meaning he won the four major tournaments in a single year. From 1923 through 1930, he won 13 championships in those four annual tournaments. A record, in fact, that was to remain unequalled until Jack Nicklaus broke it in 1973. But while this clearly proves his golfing skills, it doesn't tell us much at all about the man. There was something even more impressive than his golfing skills, and that something was his integrity. This was once demonstrated in a national championship. Bobby Jones drove his ball into the woods, and when preparing to play the ball, accidentally nudged it. Although no one saw him move the ball, he penalised himself one stroke, which caused him to lose the game by that same slenderest of margins, by a single stroke. When someone later got to hear about what had happened and praised him for his integrity, he was quite dismissive about it and said, you might as well praise a man for not robbing a bank. That's a very revealing answer. It was as clear-cut as that in his mind. Right was right and wrong was wrong, no matter what. The scale of the wrong made no difference, nor did it matter whether or not anyone was watching. Integrity is about living by our principles, even when no one else is watching. It's about doing what's right rather than what we can get away with. But the question I want us to think about today is this. How can others, outside of any known intimacy with Christ, exhibit such impressive integrity while we struggle? Like us, Some of the earliest Christians struggled with the issue. The end of Acts chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5 opens a window for us into what was happening in the first local church of God in Jerusalem. There, we read in Acts 4.34, there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself, with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. 
Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Ananias and Sapphira were not the persons they pretended to be. We have integrity when we are the good person that we appear to be. It's the opposite of hypocrisy. As Socrates said, the greatest way to live with honour in this world is to be what we pretend to be. So integrity is about not projecting a better image of ourselves than is truly deserved. Integrity, as we've already illustrated, is when the thoughts of our heart are consistent in every way with the actions of our hands or the words of our lips. Psalm 17 is a psalm of David, and this is what he said, Hear a just cause, O Lord. Give heed to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my judgment or my decision come forth from your presence. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me and you find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. By the word of your lips I have kept from the paths of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. Here David is conscious of his own integrity before God while surrounded by enemies. He's asking God to hear his righteous cause, to hear his prayer. This is the honest prayer of a genuinely righteous man, and so its effectiveness is guaranteed. A life of integrity doesn't just materialise before God all by itself. David had resolved not to sin and was determined to keep himself separate from the ways of the world, the ways of those who would destroy. His life, he says, had been modelled on God's word. And because David's words are here found among God's inspired writings, we can be totally sure this is an accurate assessment of himself, and not just empty boasting of himself by simply him being generous with himself. I came across a modern example of that when I discovered an article commemorating the birthday of evangelist Billy Graham. Religious News Centre writer Randall Balmer wrote of Graham's integrity, saying that in Graham's lifetime... There have been many other evangelists who have fallen because of various moral indiscretions. But throughout a long career, there had never been a serious charge of financial, sexual or any other kind of wrongdoing levelled against Graham. By all accounts, this was a state of affairs that was not simply left to materialise. Early in his career, Graham gathered his associates into a hotel room to discuss how they might avoid some of the pitfalls that had, sadly, claimed the reputation of other evangelists. Graham resolved never to exaggerate attendance figures at their meetings, to accept only fixed salaries, and set up elaborate precautions to protect themselves from sexual temptation or even the appearance of anything improper. The writer then suggested that in an age that has seen evangelists fall in all manner of spectacular scandals, Graham's greatest legacy may be his integrity. As that illustrates, integrity really does take conscious, even planned effort. In another of his psalms, in fact it's Psalm 101, David says, I will give heed to the blameless way. When will you come to me? 
I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will know no evil. Like Bobby Jones, with whose story we open today, the man who didn't cheat in the smallest degree when no one was looking. So David says that within his house, when no one else was looking, he was determined to tolerate no evil in his heart. With an act of his will, he says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I will know no evil. In these days, when the internet brings the whole world, including potentially a whole world of evil, into our homes and into the privacy of our bedrooms, these words are really worth emphasising again. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. What we do when we are alone is the testing ground of our integrity. In that psalm, David says, I hate the work of those who fall away. How interesting that the work of those who fall away, the work of apostasy, is shown here to have its source, its root, in the loss of integrity. You know, failure in Christian life tends to be like a slow puncture. Falling away doesn't just suddenly happen. It begins sometime before with a loss of integrity. More positively, as we plan, like David, to maintain our integrity, for example, by setting no worthless thing before our eyes, so we plan to avoid the work of apostasy, the work of falling away. With sheer determination, David says, it shall not fasten its grip on me. David was known in the Bible for the integrity of his heart which is shown here to be the opposite of a perverse heart. Our response to the Bible is not only to be intellectual and emotional, but volitional as well. David models it for us here, and we are to imitate David when he says, I will know no evil.
As usual, I remind you that we have a free booklet to accompany this series. If you'd like us to send you one, uh, or more copies for group studies, ask for the title No Compromise, and you can contact us by email or by post. Here's the address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Leicester, LE56LN, UK. The email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You can also find some past programmes and helpful material on our website. It's at www.searchfortruth.org.uk. We've enjoyed your company today. Thanks for listening and being with us. Please uh, do join us again next week if you can. But until next time, it's our very best wishes, as usual, from Brian, from David, and from me, John. So goodbye for now, and may God richly bless you. <laughs>